little over 10 years ago, in June of 2009, the Anglican Church in North America came into existence. Now, now there had been substantial work before that, but that was the official beginning of our Anglican Church in North America. And your congregation here, All Saints, and, and of course your rector at the time, um, later Bishop Bill, were, were founding members, found, a founding church for the Anglican Church in North America and uh, for the Diocese of Western Anglicans. Now, if you go on the Anglican Church in North America website, and I, and I hope you do because there, there's lots of good stuff on that website, and you open up the homepage, you'll see right at the top it says Anglican Church in North America. But above that, in smaller prints, um, is the motto, or maybe I should say the mission statement for the Anglican Church in North America. Does anybody know what that motto or mission statement is? So I'm going to give it to you now, and I'm going to keep repeating it, and there will be a test at the end on it. Here it is. Reaching North America with the transforming love of Jesus Christ. That's our mission statement, our motto for the Anglican Church in North America. And what it says to me is that we are not just an organization, although we certainly are an organization, but we are a missionary movement. We, we have a purpose. We have a goal. We have a mission to reach all of North America. And that's not just Southern California, although we, I know we think this is all of North America here. <laughs> Or, or it should be anyway, but, but not just Southern California, not just the United States, not just the United States and Canada, not just the United States, Canada, and Mexico, but all of North America, that our mission is, is to reach all of North America with the transforming love of Jesus Christ. So how are we going to do that? How are we going to go about that task? Let me tell you how we are not going to go about it. We are not going to reach North America with the transforming love of Jesus Christ, all 600 million people who currently live in North America. We're not going to reach those people if we wait for the ordained clergy to do it. Now, now my, my task in this diocese is, is to raise up and to help the bishop in our task of, of forming clergy. So, so I'm committed to, to good clergy leadership, and, and certainly biblically clergy leadership have their role in the church, but it is not enough to just have good clergy if we're going to reach all of North America, all 600 million people with the transforming love of Jesus Christ. We're also not going to reach all of North America by clever programs. We have some clever programs. We have good programs in the Anglican Church of North America. I'm sure you have them here. I've been part for years of, of the Alpha Course. And the Alpha Course is a, is a wonderful way to reach out. Not the only way, but, but a good way. But we're not going to reach all of North America with the transforming love of Jesus Christ with clever programs. Nor are we going to reach it with social media 
good advertising, all, all those other things that have their place in the life of the church, but simply are not going to be sufficient to reach out. And, and, and let me say this, and, and I love worship. I love ordered worship. But we're not going to reach all of North America with the transforming love of Jesus Christ just with good worship, as important as that is. So how are we going to do that? If we want to reach this continent with the transforming love of Jesus Christ, we're going to need to do it Jesus' way, not our own ways. And, and what is Jesus' way? I, th- I think we have a, a great introduction to Jesus' way of reaching North America, and indeed the whole world, with his transforming love in our gospel today from Matthew chapter 4. And so I'd like to just point two simple things that tell us Jesus' way of reaching people. And the first is his message, and the second is his method. I like to keep things simple. So hopefully you can remember message and method. Okay, what, what was Jesus' message in, in our gospel today? Starting at, at, uh, at Matthew chapter 4, verse 12. Now when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali. I I always call it Naphtali. Um, I defer to our deacon here, Naphtali, on that one. So that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. And then there's this wonderful quotation that Matthew, the gospel writer, inserts from from a, a lesson that should still be ringing in our ears. From Isaiah 9. Do you, do you remember the, the first lesson at, at the Christmas Eve service? It's from Isaiah 9. Th- this is the beginning of that first lesson. And that's the lesson that ends with, uh, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and of his reign, there will be no end. So when Matthew inserts this, he's not simply talking about geography, the Galilee, which he is. But he's also calling our attention to the fact that that Jesus, the beginning of Jesus' public ministry in Galilee, is to introduce to, to Galilee to Judea, ultimately to the whole world, and to the readers. That that this is the king that that Isaiah talked about. The mighty God. The everlasting father. The prince of peace. And, And then at the end of the quote, from this time on, Jesus began to preach saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So what was, what was Jesus' message? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So let's, let's unpack that for a minute. What, what I want you to see is that that little summary is a very hopeful message. It may not sound like it off the bat, 
but it is. That, that, that description of his message should resonate in our minds because we've heard it before, haven't we? John the Baptist. The difference was that, that John says the, the kingdom is coming and Jesus says, and in me it's here. That in my preaching, in my ministry, the kingdom of heaven, that consummation of the ages, the coming of God's reign to earth, the setting of all wrongs right, the mending of relationships, the healing of the world, that kingdom that you've been waiting for is now here in me because I'm the king. And that's a message of hope, isn't it? Because because the the fulfillment that so many people were waiting for is now happening in him. And and that's why the New Testament calls it good news. It's, It's gospel. It's good news. Because when someone comes along and says, everything that you hope for deep down and you long for in your heart and soul is now here. Don't you want to reach out and grab it? And that's why, that's why people flocked to hear Jesus. Because, because he preached the good news of the kingdom. And they flocked to hear him in synagogues, alongside lakes, up on mountains, wherever they were, wherever he went. People came because, because they were in spiritual darkness. And the shadow of the grave, that Isaiah quote, was was over them. But they heard in Jesus the light, the good news. It was a message of hope. And it's in that context, Jesus says, repent. Now, when we hear the word repent, um, it often carries for, for us a sense of guilt and of being sorry for something and maybe a little weeping and tears and humility. And that can all be packed into that word Repent, because there are times. But, but at its root, the idea of repentance is turning from following your own way to following Jesus' way. It's to, to turn, to, to go in a new direction, to go in his direction, whether it's your direction. Now, now I, don't, I don't intend to, uh, to, I don't pretend to know about the uh, eternal state of Frank Sinatra's soul. But I guarantee you, um, I did it my way is not a song that you sing in heaven. And, and, and that's what repent means. Yeah, you can do it your way. And it's darkness and death. Or you can do it my way. You can follow me into the light of the kingdom. Into the fulfillment of your deepest longings and hopes. And, and, and that's Jesus' message. The message of hope and good news. That in him the kingdom is at hand. And as you, as you come to follow him, you begin to experience the life of that kingdom. Not in its fullness, that's still to come. But you can taste it. You can feel it. It's the appetizer for the main course that's going to come. And that's why people flocked to hear Jesus. Because it was good news. It was a message of hope. N.T. Wright, in his book Simply Christian, points out that people today 
are searching for four things. And here they are. They're searching for justice, spirituality, a connection with something beyond themselves greater than the physical universe, spirituality. They're searching for relationships and they're searching for beauty. And many times they're searching in all the wrong places for those things. We are only going to find those in fullness in Jesus and his kingdom. Because when Jesus brings the kingdom, there is justice finally. All the wrongs are righted in the end. When Jesus brings his kingdom, there is the reconnection of our life with God's life. That which has been put asunder in in the fall and by our own actions is now forgiven and that relationship is healed. When Jesus comes in his kingdom, the relationships with others are healed, the broken relationships. And, And Lord knows we have so many of those. And when Jesus comes in his kingdom, we discover what real beauty is. Because God is beautiful. God is the source of all beauty. The people who lived in darkness have seen a great light. And they saw and heard in Jesus' message that hope and that great light. Is that needed for people around us? Think think of the lack of hope that we see in populations around us. I've spent a lot of time on campus ministry the last few years. And, and, and students are worried about the future. Climate change, is there going to be a planet Earth? Are they going to have a job? They, they go from one relationship to another. And, and, and we, we have that message of hope. You can do it your way. Or you can do it the king's way. Jesus' way, follow him into that kingdom of light and hope that he brings. And if we're going to reach North America with the transforming love of Jesus Christ, we need to have Jesus' message of light and of hope and of good news that the kingdom of heaven is here And can be grabbed a hold of in him when we follow him. And that we will know that kingdom in fullness in the age to come. So that's his message. But that's not all. Because as we go on in our gospel lesson, we see not only the message, but we see Jesus' method of communicating that message. And it starts in Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw two brothers. You know this story. Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. Jesus message is a message of hope, of good news of the kingdom. But his method to communicate that message is to invite a handful of people to follow him as disciples. He begins with four fishermen, Peter, 
and Andrew, and if we read a few more verses, James and John. And ultimately, there are 12. I like to call them the dirty dozen because they're not exactly um, uh, finished products. Um, in fact, even at the end of the New Testament, they're not finished products. They're works in progress, in, in other words. And, and what does he do with those 12 in his public ministry? He takes them with, doesn't he? So, so Jesus is, is, is preaching, he's teaching in the synagogues, he's, he's healing people, he, he's walking the, the roads of Galilee, and, and then Samaria, and, and Judea, and, and who's he got with him? He, well, you know, sometimes he has more than 12, but he at least has the 12 with him. And can you imagine what's going on? They're watching him. Oh, Jesus, look, look what he does. They're listening to him. And they're asking him questions. I am sure there's some questions. And, and they're disagreeing with him at points. And, and, and they're learning Jesus' way of ministry, his message. And they're also seeing what, what he does with people. And, and then about the middle of his public ministry, what does he do? He says, you know, what you've seen me do and what you've heard me preach, I want you to do it now. So I'm going to send you out in twos. And, and, and so they move out and they begin to practice the ministry of Jesus that they've seen. And then he calls them back and he says, okay, let's talk about this. Let's do a little debrief. How did it go? And uh, that's my version anyway. And, and, and so, and then they, then they learn some more. And finally, after the resurrection, at the ascension, what does he do? He says to those 12 you know what you've heard me preach and what you've seen me do? It's yours now. You're going to carry on my ministry. Twelve people, better part of three years of public ministry. You see, Jesus invested in a small group of people. Robert Coleman, in his book, The Master Plan of Evangelism, argues that, that if we're going to do Jesus' ministry... That's what we need to do, to start full of handful of people and invest in them, just as Jesus did. It's, it's not going to be 12. In fact, it, it might only be one. But, but to, to take one person or two people and say, that which I have learned about following Jesus, I'm now going to teach and show you. And it doesn't matter what age you are. I remember having a conversation a couple of years ago with a good friend my age. And in case you wonder, my age is 70. And he said, I've got nothing to, to share. I've got nothing to teach anybody. And I said to him, Clint, you've got a lifetime of following Jesus. Of course you do. Just share your life. Share what it means to walk with Jesus. And, and pick one or two and, and spend some time, a year or two, to do that. And then ask them to do the same with somebody else. And that's, that's how I got in. That, that is actually how I came to follow Jesus and then moved into ordained ministry. When I was a college student in the 1960s, yes, I was a college student in the 1960s, the late 60s, the 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 questionable time yes um i i was not following jesus 
and, and the, the student pastor at a church in Boston, I went to college, he came and, and he began meeting with just a couple of us in my college residence. And he'd have, he'd have, he'd have lunch or dinner with us about once a week and we'd talk. And, and I wasn't following Jesus, but, but we'd talk about spiritual things. We'd talk about what he'd ask me questions about my life. And, and I, was, I was drawn into his, his, his following Jesus. And then he said, how about we do a Bible study? Well, when do you do a Bible study with a bunch of college men, like 9.30 Thursday night, and go to midnight or 1 o'clock? And, and, and then he began to say to us, now, now, are there others you could gather? Could you lead a study? And so I began to lead a study of a couple of three other people on campus. And then when I got to be a senior uh, what 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 this person, his name was Wayne, what he had imparted to me, I, I got three or four freshmen who wanted to know about following Jesus and we'd meet for a year. And, and then I went off to seminary and in the next couple of years, you know what those three or four freshmen did? They each got a, got a, a little group of three or, and they began. Do you see how that works? So this is not rocket science. It's sharing the life of Christ with somebody else and and leading them into it as you've been led into it. So let's do a little thought experiment, okay? I know it's Sunday morning and you're probably not real sharp with the math. Um, most of the math I learned, which was to intermediate calculus, is gone. I'm down to pure arithmetic again. But but let's do do a little math problem. Suppose I, I go down to Balboa Park in San Diego, which is where I live, and I set up a little stand, and I start preaching, and every day, every day, every single day, for the rest of my life, a thousand people respond to my preacher and preaching and say, hey, we want to follow Jesus. T- teach us how. And so every day for the rest of my life, how many years would it take me to reach the 600 million people in North America. Any guesses? A long time. 1,645 years and change. Now, there are two problems in that scenario. One, my preaching in Balboa Park is not going to reach 1,000 people every day. And secondly, you guessed it, I'm not going to live another 1,600 years either. But... Let's take the other scenario. Suppose in this next year, 2020, I pick out one person and I invest myself in him or her and teach that person everything I can about what I know about following Jesus. And at the end of one year, I say to that person, okay, what I have taught you, what you've learned and seen in me and what you've heard... Now you do it with another, and I start with a second person. So at the end of one year, I have two, there are two of us. At the end of two years, I've got four, right? How many years using that method of reaching people, how many years does it take to reach all 600 million people in North America? 28. There's no contest. None of us in this room, unless I miss my mark, 
can reach a thousand people a day and we're not going to live a thousand years to do it. There is no one in this room, no one here today, who cannot invest for the next year in one other person to introduce that person to Jesus and to share our lives with that person so that at the end of one year, there are two of us and so on and so forth. Everybody who's a follower of Jesus can do that. One by one by one by two by four by eight by 16 by 32 by you. You know how it works. 28 years. We can all do that. So, so what have I said today? Let me just give you the quick summary. What's the vision statement, the motto for the Anglican Church in North America? Reaching North America with the transforming love of Jesus, Jesus Christ. That's 600 million people at present levels of population. And how do we do that? Not, not by our own ways, not by our own message. We do it by doing it Jesus' way. And Jesus' way is a message of hope. The kingdom of heaven is here in me. And if you follow the Lord Jesus Christ, you enter into that which you long for at the deepest level of your soul. A message of hope for people who are increasingly hopeless. And we use Jesus' method. Come follow me. And I will teach you to be fishers of men. We invest in one or two people. We pour our lives. We give away what we have, what Jesus has taught us in word, in sacrament, in the worship life of the church, in living the daily life that we do as followers of Jesus. So that at the end of one year, we ask that person, will you go and do the same? And that, my friends, is how the Anglican Church in North America can reach North America, all 600 million, with the transforming love of Jesus Christ. Amen.